theorizing that primetime audiences were ready for a new time travel series, NBC and creator Donald Belisario debuted Quantum Leap on March 26, 1989. Starring Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell, the series followed Dr. Sam Beckett for five seasons of time-hopping adventures and vanished. Now, NBC Universal has resurrected the cult series for a new era. Starring Raymond Lee and Caitlin Bassett, the series once again follows a scientist as he leaps through history, making right what once went wrong. But just what is the show getting right and wrong? That's what we'll explore here on... Oh boy. Oh boy, it's a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Nate, and with me as always, a co-host we can all see in here, it's Brian Martin. Hello, hello. Hello, Brian. Well, welcome back from vacation. You missed quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I missed it. I felt only slightly guilty, I gotta admit. <laughs> I was in a far better place. But what a time to step away, am I right? Oh my god. Like given everything we've been talking about since we started recording this. Yeah, I I am drinking tonight. Uh <laughs> I have poured the spirits and uh this show is absolutely bonkers. I yeah. swear to god. This show is bonkers. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what when we didn't get to record last week, I was just like this what how, how can we I don't know. We, so now we've got to squeeze this in. It's good. How you do know, we miss this? Yeah. We're going to, what? Yeah. We, we discussed, we're going to try and do this sort of a back-to-back. Yeah, so we'll so we'll talk about episode five, and then we'll move on to episode six, both of which I thought were really, really fun episodes. Yeah. One a little a little bit meatier on the uh, mystery scale than the other, probably. Mm-hmm. But we will definitely get to that. Yeah, they both have their moments. So who accepted the nudge for episode five? <laughs> I think he accepted the nudge because he was old and he's like, whatever. Um, 1879. Ben uh, has improbably leaped again beyond his own lifetime into Diego de la Cruz, an aging gunfighter in the boomtown of Salvation, which is currently under siege by a gang of outlaws trying to force the townsfolk out on behalf of a railroad company that wants the land. Meanwhile, the government chickens have come home to roost, as it were, at Project Quantum Leap. Mm. Uh, Ben's leaping, as was alluded to a few episodes ago, has attracted the attention of the uh, Government Oversight Committee, and they have sent a representative to the uh, project to get some answers. Now, did they send her, or did she kind of show up of her own volition? I feel like maybe she just came on her own. Maybe the group, the whole Oversight Committee doesn't know. I, it's, since they're a government agency, maybe uh, I would believe that they're mostly uninformed yeah. and not paying attention. That's how uh, I read so. that. I thought that she was acting on her own instincts there, but maybe maybe I'm reading that wrong, but that's what it no, seemed I think, like. No, I think you're right. C- Congresswoman Kavita Adani. Oh, there, you've got her name. Yeah, I, I had, that was two blanks an hour ago. I had to <laughs> dig for that one. I was like, ah, I didn't catch that, sorry. <laughs> it comes knocking on the project's doors, and I think maybe possibly sets up some interesting things in the future. Yeah, and I think I think they are just seeds that are being planted with no specific intent as of this moment, but could germinate in a couple different ways. Yeah, that's the interesting bit of that episode outside of what I assume you. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, like 
the big we're gonna really i I just i'm gonna say right now we're gonna bury the lead on this one because if we don't we're going to spend the entire podcast just talking about one yeah we definitely could to me this oversight committee's visit to the project that's where the episode was for me i can tell you that the town of salvation and that seven samurai storyline has been done to death (laughs) see you know I don't think that the story for the leap of episode five even merits discussion. It's just, wow. I, you know what? I want to, I want to really just pause here for a second because I thought this was going to go one of two ways. Because you are a gunslinger fan. Yes. Right. Unquestionably. That is correct. I don't know where it falls in terms of your favorite genres, but it's got to be near the top. Near the top. Certainly. Yeah. So I was like, I, <laughs> this is the way I thought it in my head verbatim. Nate's either going to really appreciate the attempt made <laughs> or he's going to hate it. <laughs> like, it was like, lean, well, they tried. Did you lean one way or the other? I, <laughs> uh, well, I certainly am now, Nate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I it's, it's, it's a matter of that particular storyline. I'm just done with it. How many times have we seen it and how many different ways can we tell it? And the answer is... I think the answer was two. Yeah, it's all so telegraphed. <laughs> you, could tell it, you could tell it with samurais, and you could tell it with gunfighters. Or, I, I'll say two and a half, because you can also tell it with clone troopers, as we learned on an episode of The Clone Wars. And that, oh, well, I thought you were going to lean towards The Mandalorian. Mm. That is where... They also did it on The Mandalorian, you're right. Yes, they and do at it... Least that one had an ATST in it. <laughs> they do it everywhere. Every show has to have this kind of narrative where you teach the villagers to band together against the outlaw. They don't know how much power they actually have until the lone stranger walks into town. I'm just like, oh my god, really? So, so now, yeah. So, so just to to provide a little bit of context, like Ben is, we learn in this episode, a pacifist, which is not surprising because I feel like Sam Beckett was also a pacifist, and well, he wasn't ben afraid is, to throw a punch. That's true. He, or a roundhouse. Like the <laughs> Sam Beckett roundhouse is, is legendary. But Ben doesn't even want to fire a gun. And so the one thing I felt was kind of interesting in the interplay between him and Addison, whom he does remember in this episode as his significant other, is that right. she's ex-military. She absolutely has a different perspective on this and mm-hmm. decides to teach him to shoot, which he doesn't do very well at. But at least there's one sheriff's deputy who doesn't leave town who is more or less a crack shot. But it doesn't change the fact that Ben's kind of left in a situation where he has to either learn to fire a gun or most likely perish in a gunfight. Now, there are a lot of colorful-ish characters in this town. A couple in particular that I think are worth noting are the grandfather and the grandson who is the town doctor. And, and oh, okay. doctor is in quotes. I don't, I don't really think he's an actual doctor. I was going to say, and what makes them interesting? That we learn a little bit about Ben through them in terms of his journey to the U.S. They, they're the ones that kind of inform who Ben is in the past. Oh, I see. Each episode so far has given us a little nugget like that. Yeah. But that's the nugget in this one. When I say nugget, I mean like it is smaller than a wonton in the soup <laughs> that the doctor's grandfather serves Ben. Yeah. Remind me, how did they use the cook's talent to uh, capture the bad guys? You know, everybody has a specific talent that they oh, didn't yeah. know that they had that they could use as a 
Ugh. Wasn't he an explosives expert? No, that was the drunk. The old no, he was the trapper. He was the fur trapper. The drunk, yeah, he was the fur trapper, and the drunk does That's literally right. nothing during that fight, like except stand up and laugh and and hoot and holler like a town drunkard would do. Well, there, um, he did drag one of them oh, away. You're right. It, it. You know what? Like I said, to me, this barely merits any kind of discussion. Like I've seen it so many times, and like I said, that mandalorian episode is the one where i finally decided i this is so boring enough is enough it's enough yeah <laughs> it's so boring like the last time it was done well was a bug's life yeah mandalorian <laughs> was like let's do this but this time it's humid yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no and, good you know i can't really i, I don't can i fault people yeah i can fault them yeah i there are other they know things what they're doing can, they, they know exactly what they're Everybody's yeah. trying to ape Kurosawa. There's other things you can do with a Western story. There are tropes that you love to see, but that one is not one that I'm... You know, there were interesting things that we learned about Ben. And not to say this story didn't serve any purpose. It was fine. But I think the greater cause to episode five was this 2022 storyline with the government oversight. That, like you said, kind of plants the seeds to something a little more interesting to me. Sure. Outside of, again, the big reveal. Which we'll get there. Yeah. I did want to mention one other thing. Of course, the Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven sort of context is pretty obvious. But the ending of this episode reminded me of a different movie. Okay. Because the way this whole thing ends without Ben having fired a shot, is that this guy, McDonough, is trapped in a steel cage. Oh, like, is that a Mission Impossible? It's, it's Mission Impossible 6, right? Yeah. <laughs> like <it> was, <laughs> or 5, was it? 5. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Right, 5. That ends just like Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, which is a pissed-off guy in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I thought, oh, well, that's cute. Yeah, I mean, it was... Honestly, I wish I had more to contribute in that conversation, but I, I'm just like, I, I was kind of disappointed by their efforts there. I did feel like the final scene where Ben tells the group that there's a copper mine nearby and that telephones are going to be a big deal. Ooh, the talkie box. That was really quantum leapy. Yeah, that was cute. That was a moment that would have fit right into the final moments of a Sam Beckett. That was a cute little moment that was completely overshadowed by what happened next. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go, let's go back to 2022 and talk about Team Quantum Leap's encounter with the Congresswoman. Okay. I feel like the writers decided that they needed to show us how interesting Jen is. <laughs> she turned into a character this week. And the, uh, the thing I made a note of <laughs> that I thought, oh, Nate probably laughed at this line. Okay. Was when the Congresswoman wants to interview everybody individually. And of course, you know, like they don't have time to get their stories straight with each other, which is played humorously in the scene with Addison. Yeah, that was fun. The way she was in that interview reminded me of A Few Good Men. Oh, yes. Yes. You know, if there are any details that uh, you feel like I may be missing, feel free to offer up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you exactly. Know? I'm sorry, go ahead. When she sits down with Jen, she says to Jen that she's particularly fascinated in Jen's profile, and I'm like, that's really hilarious because Nate has been profoundly not yeah. particularly fascinated in Jen's profile for the last four weeks, right? So what can you tell us about Jen? That's so interesting. Uh, I mean, how did you take that? I have three letters for you. Okay. C-S-I. 
<laughs> I, like, I, it I, felt like a CSI character wandered into my show or, and was played by Ming-Na Wen. You know, that's I, what I feel like. That's, that's yeah. my impression of Jen. Honestly, any character. When I say they, you know, they tried to tell us she was interesting, it's like in the most boring way. Right. Are you kidding? Oh, she's a reformed criminal that the leader of the project really saw something in and trusts implicitly a former hacker, you know, right. turned good. It's just like, really? Who's by the book now? Can we, yeah, can we I just, just I, I, can we just let her go? I will say the hairs on my neck. Gone? <laughs> the, the hairs on my neck stand up every time a primetime series uses the word hacker. Like, <laughs> Here we fucking go again. You know, yeah, like, because uh, hackers on primetime series, even shows I love, are just like, is this what you think these people do? <laughs> like, yeah. Is this what you well, think this, this is, is something like? with cryptocurrency, right, too? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's not like, going to so age well. How long well. is she in prison? Like, yeah. cryptocurrency's been around for a decade, maybe? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I just thought of all the things to try and do with her, could you be any less creative? Like, I, I <laughs> she's got a Wookiee life debt with magic, though. So I think that might come into it. I, I don't care, Brian. <laughs> I just don't care. Can we just I feel bad for the actress how much I want her to not be on that show. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they I think the scenes with her in this episode in particular are the writers kind of saying not really sure what does she bring to the team diversity and still what is she yeah well <laughs> i mean they've got that in spades honestly i don't think we've talked about that but this is really like a an exceptionally diverse cast for like a certainly like a major network yeah. show who's the main white guy yeah absolutely spoilers there isn't one you yeah know? yeah <laughs> nothing <laughs> not to really see. Not one without a catch, because like not one at all. Mason Alexander Park, well, is, he's uh, is a they them and delightful and non-binary and like it's not you don't have your traditional like yeah. man yeah. on this show, and I actually kind of love that about it. It's not something that's obviously missed either, right? We you're right. We went five episodes without even talking about it because it's not a vacancy. It's just right. like oh yeah, you know what? There's no white dude. <laughs> no cis yeah. white dude, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's also not like they're jamming it down your throat, really. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you're a go woke, go broke crowd or whatever. Can I just, you... Yeah. And I want to I want to just pause here to recognize Mason Alexander Park's social media. I'm unfamiliar. Every week I see at least one person that's like, tried to watch new Quantum Leap until I found out non-binary person's on it. Blah, blah, blah. And Mason Alexander Park is just like, bye, you know, like every yeah. single time to those people because it's like i think you might have missed the entire point you know it's when people complain about star trek for being political or things like that or as i say in every episode at some point or another i really appreciate mason alexander park yeah sure yeah who speaking of which kind of blows it this week in the interview with the congresswoman they try their best to techno babble their way out of all of it yeah And and again a really funny moment where the congresswoman's like hmm that sounds very complicated you know it's just the way i talk right yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know that it's necessarily uh, ian's fault i feel like she already knew she, she says yeah the no, the she way the numbers worked out whatever the power consumption was apparently is completely in line with what ben had presented as the power usage for the quantum leap accelerator and she was trying to get something out of magic's team and of course our 
head of security brought blackmail material to Magic because she thought that'd be a good idea. Hey, well, uh, obviously, they they aren't really aware of the state of the world because what does blackmail matter? Yeah, <laughs> like, seriously. Like, give me what you got. So the thing about the, the, the blackmail plot, what Jen found about the congresswoman is that she was involved in a car crash that claimed the life of her brother. Mm-hmm. And unbeknownst to the people in the aftermath, the congresswoman was the one driving the car. The story was that her brother, who had died in the accident, was the one driving. It sort of absolved her of any direct responsibility with his death. Right. That was the big, juicy bit. Right. Shades of Ted Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, very (laughs) much. And what Magic Ultim does with that information, I gotta admit, it surprised me. Like, like I I expected this show to take the easy route. It's twisted in a way that is very Quantum Leap. Yeah. And could present problems for them in the future. Yes, it's that's the seed, I think, that's going to it's going to germinate one way or the other. And I think the writers are keeping their minds open <laughs> with regards to which way it goes. Right. I think it. I think renewal matters a lot for this show in terms of which way that ultimately goes. Yeah, that kind of feels like a thread that they could leave loose if things had to tie up. Yeah. So so magic says to her that Ben's time travel could result in them saving her brother from a car accident. What if you never get in that car? Right. He says to her. And I thought, wow, that's cool. But wait a minute. And then Ian immediately is like, the project doesn't work like that. We can't just pick where to go. Right. Now we, the fans, kind of know better than that at this point, because in the final episode of the original series, it is revealed that Sam does have control over where he goes and when. And this show also... They've made mention a couple of times that Ben has a goal and end destination. So so he supposedly is on some manner of trajectory, but it probably does not involve the car accident that the the senator was involved in. So they don't claim to think it's random. But then they were also very confused that he was in the 1880s or 1870s. Like, Yes. Are yeah, they going to be confu- that confused? Yeah. Are they going to be confused or not? <laughs> Everybody is taking this in stride, is I guess what I mean. The notion that this kind of violates the tenets of Quantum Leap and that he can leap out of his own lifetime because he's done it at least twice already is... Uh, when we do get to episode six, they address that pretty well. They do. Yes. Yeah. But speaking of the bouncing around and the trajectory and, and what have you, let's get to the big juicy part. Bonkers. Are you Wild kidding stuff. me? Wild shit. Right. shit. So just a recap for us. I think since the very first episode of this, we've been talking about Lothos and Evil <laughs> Leapers and 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 you like, were what on if. point, my friend. You were I, uh, absolutely on point from the beginning. I think that's uh like wow. Just wow. <laughs> so at the final moments of this episode, just as everything has come together, just as Ben has relayed that the telephone will be a huge success and save the town, there's a guy maybe two or three scenes earlier where Ben is in the town bar drinking heavily. Mm -hmm. And he says something really funny to Addison. He's like, not my body. And he just keeps (laughs) drinking, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. But as he's leaving this dude that's sitting an adjacent table kind of gives him the side eye and the camera lingers on this guy for a second. This guy, who's this guy? Yeah. Well, at the end of the episode, he grabs Ben's arm, spins him around and says, you shouldn't have come here, Ben. Right. Stop following uh, so, me. Yeah. Stop following me. You've made a uh, 
serious miscalculation coming here, he says. Yeah. Well, who the hell is this guy? He calls him Ben. He knows. From the year 2022. From the year 2022. Ben's song from the year 2022. And then, of course, Ben leaps. And that's it. That's all we get. And, and like, what a cliffhanger. Yeah. Oh, my God. The way that uh, you and I have managed to bring this, you know, we, we save it for the recording. But mm-hmm. I swear, I picked up my phone and I thought, you know what? I, I can't. I was ready <laughs> to just because we we made a joke of this, that there would be evil leapers. And I'll admit, even at the time, listeners, we have since seen episode six as well. But even at the time, I didn't really buy that it was an evil leaper just by virtue of the fact that he could recognize Ben. Mm-hmm. Whereas the evil leapers that were presented in um, the original show, they weren't cognizant of each other until they touched. Until they touched. Right. So that was one, that was one of the very first things. That was, okay, so he touches Ben. Yeah. And there's no moment of morphing. Like, who we see is who we see throughout. Like, we see right. him in the bar. He looks the same as, as when he touches Ben later. That is explained further in episode six. So there is no morphing. This is this person as... He appears. Right. And this person was aware of the fact that it was Ben's song from 2022, which in the past, these mysterious evil leapers, they weren't even aware of Sam or that anybody would be out there doing good, as far as I could tell. They were as surprised to hear about that as Sam was to hear about the fact that there are people going around ruining people's lives. So the, the one thing I would say about the evil leapers is that it seemed pretty obvious that this was a grind for like this was a gig that they were doing yeah and there was very little passion to it there was very little mystery in it for them they were much more accepting of their roles you know what's funny about that i I don't mean to cut you off but what's really funny about those evil leapers is obviously it's just you know the reversal of sam's mission right sure but you can put this sort of ethereal mystery character in charge of of sam's leaping like you don't have to say that it's god they say god they say time they call it fate you know and all of these things that if you're not religious you don't have to buy into the fact that you know it's a man in a robe with a long beard force but for quantum leap yeah exactly and ziggy and al are just products of the fact that quantum leap had been hijacked Mm -hmm. by this malevolent uh, malevolent benevolent character right so it's extremely humorous to me to then try and put those same rules into lothos and like the evil leafer also has a hologram that has a supercomputer and a hand link and you think who is the evil force behind this yeah and it it leaves me wondering what does the devil need with a supercomputer (laughs) There was. Yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, good Star Trek Five. Yeah, exactly. What there. does God need with a starship, and what um, does the devil need with a Ziggy? So, or a so there is there is an original episode, an episode of the original series where it's implied, whether it's a hallucination or whether it really happened, that Sam meets the devil. <laughs> yes, the devil having appeared. It's a really funny reveal. So, so, so in, in that reveal <laughs> is that Al. The entire episode has been Satan yeah. <laughs> posing as Al because Al comes out of the door to the imaging chamber in like the third act. And it's like, oh, Sam, we couldn't find you. It's like, 
whoa, what's going on? And then there's there's two owls suddenly, and one of them has like glowing red eyes yeah. or whatever, and is like, oh, he's the but devil. Isn't that, <laughs> that kind of... Doesn't something happen at the end that kind of plays it off like maybe that hadn't really happened? Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's uh, definitely played off. Another thing you can kind of explain away. If, Much like the is God a bartender in the last episode. You yeah, know? yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I don't like to think of it as a god leaping him around, you know, like I... Sure. I prefer to think of it as a force situation, like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about an evil leaper, I just picture the devil being like, let's build this computer <laughs> so that we can have a hologram that can talk to our, our evil Satanist person that... Like, are they demons? <laughs> like, what is going on? I and feel like... how does that mix with technology? <laughs> I feel like it's a corporate thing. Like I feel like evil leapers are a corporate thing, and those the are the privatized leapers, right? Right. The other thing I was, I always felt, and we'll probably discuss this more as we get into episode six, was that wherever the evil leapers originated from, it was beyond the starting point of Project Quantum. Okay. Like it was beyond the year nineteen ninety nine, and the evil leapers were coming back. Is that something um, that you put together as headcanon, or is there some kind of... In that's always been my headcanon, because okay. it didn't make any sense for there to be a second Sam Beckett out there who could develop all of this simultaneously. I guess it could be like, what is that theory that cultures around the world all develop the wheel the same goddamn week, even though they didn't talk to each other, you know, that sort yeah. of thing? Yeah, I think about those in terms of, like, the bow and arrow. Yeah, like, yeah, but I don't think Quantum Leap is like that. Time travel could possibly be like that. Right. Yeah, I agree. But I feel like I kind of derailed this because he recognized uh, Ben and there seemed to be something else involved there. Uh, he I thought would, he was would... being followed. Yeah. And he wasn't there to do anything particularly. Evil. Actually, we don't know why he was there or what so, he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple things about that. One is that one of the original theories I had was that the current version of Project Quantum Leap and what Ben was doing was instigating the evil leaper program himself. So maybe that other leaper is the good guy. But two, <laughs> maybe that other leaper has Janice as a hologram and we just didn't see her. Yeah. Yeah. Very possible. Almost um, probable, I would think. Yeah. I think that's high up there. But yeah. the other the other thing I immediately thought about was, has this guy been in other episodes? And we just didn't look for him. So now... I have to go back and watch the first four episodes of the show looking for this dude. Because yeah. if I were the showrunner, I absolutely would have planted that dude in the background in a few scenes. Yeah. Just like, like uh, who's that, who's that little cartoon dude on She-Ra back in the day? Like, you know, like, <laughs> he, you know, you'd have to find him in the middle of the episode somewhere. Yeah, yeah, like, right. That's, I really want him to be there. And maybe I want it too much. But uh, yeah, just there in the background, giving him the side eye or something. Because if you're fo stop following me implies that this isn't the first time he's seen. Ben yeah, it'd be more of a what are you doing here thing rather than a stop following me thing. Yeah. Right. Look, dude, knock it off. You know? Yeah, right. Exactly. One of the other things about episode five, they mentioned hosts. They, they mentioned did. the hosts, and Ben makes a mention of having never slept. And Addison says, Well, if it's any consolation, your hosts have, right? And yeah, you have to assume then the hosts are there in a waiting room just taking naps, I guess. And we have, <laughs> we have been on the waiting room. The, the biggest mystery for the show for us has not been what is Janice doing? It's, it's been not like, <laughs> like, who's this other leaper guy? It has been, 
Where where's is the waiting? Room? Where's the waiting room? And the funny thing is, like, I had there was a moment in this episode where I had the exact opposite thing, where I'm like, well, I think they just closed the door in the waiting room. And oh. that moment came when Addison shows up with almost no information about Diego de la Cruz, has nothing on him except right. an obituary, which right. tells me once again, and we've talked about this with regards to other leapies so far in this series, they don't have the option to interview the person in the waiting room. Right. To figure out who they are, where they're from, anything like that. The only information they have about Diego de la Cruz comes from after he would be aware of his personal history, right? Right. So I was like, well, is that it? Because you could just walk in there and ask him, bro. <laughs> right. Do you still feel that way? I mean, they mentioned the hosts have been sleeping. Like, yeah. how else... Maybe if, they were sleeping before he leaped into them and their bodies are energized, is what she means. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a subtle way of trying to bring that in. Maybe they sleep the entire time he's sleep. Just the fact that she's mentioning what the host has been doing, even if it's just that they've been sleeping, implies that she knows something. It would be consistent with Magic's description of leaping, where he like was just sort of out of commission and he came to, right? <laughs> Well, you know, I've got a terrible track record on predictions and guesses, but I, I really feel like they're referring to the host that's in 2022. The reason I say that is because I've got another note here about how steeped in lore the 2022 story is. Mm -hmm. Who is this show for? Because I wonder if you're a casual viewer or have never seen the original series, how much of this really makes sense? If you're showing the hand link, like, that's for us, but that means nothing to a 20-something, you know? So, like, yeah, it seems like that story is so steeped in what came before that they couldn't possibly have left this other gaping hole open. I just don't see it. And Look, if they... <laughs> if they seriously bring the evil leapers into this, but don't mention the waiting room... Right? I mean, that's... Uh, yeah. I feel like they're going to tiptoe around that evil leaper thing. I I didn't take that to mean he was out there doing nefarious things. Right, because I feel like if he was, he would have shot the granddaughter at the last minute. And then Ben would have just left, right? Or some something upsetting the world that Ben had left behind right, right. would have happened right before Ben left. And we would have just been like, what the hell just happened, you know? Right. But that, that isn't what happened. So the question is, what did that guy do? What was he doing there? You know, there was some other kind of agenda and we don't know what it is. And it's just bonkers. It's yes. bonkers. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Just just amazing that they even went there because that last moment. It's the money shot. <laughs> yeah, like, it's unreal. It's, it's, it just yeah. blows my mind. When we were talking about evil leapers, I just thought it was a joke the whole time. <laughs> and then we talked about, oh, she's building an imaging chamber. What if she creates Lothos? You know, jokes all along, but just keeps going that way. <laughs> I want to get a hashtag started. Lothos lives. <laughs> Something. That's a, that's a hashtag for like five people in yeah, the world. That's right. You and me. So three others. <laughs> yeah. Justice for Lothos. I bet if we brought up Lothos to Scott Bakula, he'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I wonder if Donald Belisario. Donald Belisario might not know. <laughs> He'd be he like, "Oh yeah, remember. I had uh, I was off working on something else by that point. Uh, oh, the yeah, writing was, was on the wall. Um, those episodes, they they really smacked of desperation. Yeah, I would say, I would say so. But here, I, I don't, 
I don't read it the same way. It uh, or or do I? Are they just pulling out all the stops because they're like, we gotta keep this on the air, or like, what's the motivation here? Do they actually I, I have a story? Think, again, I think going back to what we were kind of talking about in the very first episode, I think the expectations of a modern audience is different than what you might have had in 89 or 90 when the original quantum leap was was running it's not enough just to have a story of the week where everything is resolved at the end and move on to the next big next thing it's it's not the next big thing it's just you get that little stinger at the end of every episode with the beginning of the next leap and it was a cool way to kind of motivate you to come back but that's not enough now it needs to be like someone shot in the final moments of the show (laughs) and then you're like, I gotta tune in next week to find out what happens because this is the same story, right? Right, right. Maybe more than any cliffhanger they've done so far, episode five's cliffhanger is like, I dare you not to come back next week. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, no question. I mean, I was ready to see it. Yeah, I think we can probably leap ourselves over to episode six here. Yeah, well, so when episode six came, who accepted the nudge? The date was October 17th, 1989. Ben has leaped into John Harvey, uh, a name as dull as the man himself. (laughs) By all accounts, he is not the greatest dude, as Ben describes him. Evidenced by the fact that when we first leap in, John is sitting across the table from his wife, Naomi, who is asking for a divorce at the worst possible time. (laughs) First of all, they're in a sports bar. Or the best possible time? Uh, Maybe, maybe. Um, Game three of the World Series is about to start. And this is the San Francisco-Oakland World Series Mm -hmm. uh, of 89. And Ben quickly realizes that game three doesn't happen because of the 89 San Francisco earthquake. That is seconds away from happening. Right. The earthquake itself is not the centerpiece of the show. It happens in the first few moments, and the aftermath is what we're dealing with throughout, as Ben, as John, has to venture back to Oakland to save John's son, Jason. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Team Quantum Leap, in 2022, pours all their resources into investigating just who the hell that guy was at the end of last week's episode, the other Leaper. Which they coin... Leaper X. Leaper X. Yeah. Leaper X, which I felt like was a. I, you ever watch The Flash, Nate? Yes, I did. The, you're talking about the Grant Gustin yeah, CW Grant Gustin. show. Uh, so, yeah, I watched the first few seasons. It was a very Cisco Ramon moment where, like, Cisco every week on uh, The Flash yeah. would be like, we're going to call this guy Captain Cold. And he would have to get the name to stick with the group, right? Yeah. Ian is kind of like serving as the Cisco Ramon and Quantum Leap this week because he's like Leaper X. And Magic's like, for the last goddamn time, I'm not calling him Leaper X. Right, right. By golly, they're calling him Leaper X for a minute. For a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Until they find out who he is, which happens pretty quick in another really kind of funny moment. Right. I really liked uh, Ian in this episode. Episode uh, he, he six. got a lot of lot of funny moments for them. Yeah, uh, in this one. And again, I think they tried to make me like Jen again. Yes, and uh, I don't know how much I need to harp on that. I she's everything they do with her is just another like nail in the coffin. I, I'm just like, <laughs> uh, did we finish our synopsis? Or uh, yeah, that's that's okay. all I'm going to go on the synopsis. We're going to spend so much time talking about yeah what Team Quantum Leap gets up to. Yeah, yeah. But first, 
the leap to 1989. Okay. Very first thing I noticed is that John Harvey's wife, Naomi, is played by Jewel State, who played Kaylee Fry on Firefly, the engineer. Then that was the engineer. That was the engineer. I didn't recognize her. Of, of Serenity. Yep. It was so her. long ago. She was such a kid during that show. She was a kid, and she had that sort of baby face going, but she's like a she's a full-grown woman now, man. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess there there is a, a callback to that. I um did not recognize her, and I, I really enjoyed Firefly, but I'm not exactly a, a huge fan like yeah. where they they call themselves the brown coats right the, brown coats. The i would that... not classify myself a brown coat whatever the brown coat equivalent is for jewel state the actress that's probably what i mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah episode six i'm in a little different place uh, talking about this episode because most of the time i'll watch quantum leap on a tuesday and it has a moment to gestate Unfortunately, going through some issues here in the household, my wife is suffering from COVID, as I mentioned off air. Oh, yeah. So, so things have been a little strained here. So I, I did not have a chance to watch that episode until tonight, just uh, a few oh, hours wow. ago. Okay, so, so this is really fresh. So this is fresh to me, and I haven't had time to really let it sink in and give a critical thought to it so much as impactful thought. But the first note that I took down... They did not need that opening in 2022, where they immediately picked up where they left off. Who is Leaper X? What are they doing? And what's their motivation? And where are they? All this stuff, right? They're basically rehashing the questions we've all had over the previous week. Right. But I feel like it would have been so much more effective when Ben leaps in and absolutely paying no attention to the person sitting right across from him. Because he's <laughs> yeah, right. looking everywhere for this guy. For the guy. That, for the yeah. guy. Like, you know, that's what he's like. Wh- like, who was that? Where is he? Is he here? What does he want? Does he see me? All of these things are the more important aspects. Because when Addison does show up in the Leap storyline, she just rehashes what they already said. Which is like, we've got the team working point. on it. We've got several theories. One of which they might be a time traveler and... So and it was so much more interesting to me to watch Ben freak out a little bit. And then outside of that, uh, I'll just preface that this is probably my favorite episode so far. Okay, yeah. And and, and that's really interesting. <laughs> Have not that's slept really on it. So I don't know if you're aware of this, but this was the original pilot. What? Now, now I'm going to say that the script it was reworked, yeah. obviously, uh, okay. because there are elements of it. That would not have worked as the pilot episode, but the central San Francisco earthquake storyline was the original pilot for this series. No kidding. Yeah. I mentioned that early on, that the pilot was not the pilot. This was the pilot. Oh, okay. Which, I don't know, I kind of feel like, like I get you hit the ground running, the car chase, all that stuff we talked about in the first episode of this show. This episode and and the story surrounding the leap felt so much more inherently quantum leap yes to me and if you take the context of him kind of showing up in this bar and looking around all confused and talking to her like he has no idea who she is and and then you think of it like what if that was his first leap and he legit doesn't know what the hell's going on like you kind of look at it in a different lens and i'm like i kind of like that that would have been a, a little bit more playful way to kind of kick things off yeah 
I feel like he would have been paying more attention to her talking to him than he was. I like the fact yeah. that, that he was so distracted by what had happened prior. Yeah. That's really very interesting. I can see the San Francisco earthquake backdrop being a very good backdrop for a pilot because it's an event that's long enough ago to be the past, but big enough for some of us to remember that, you know, yes, to right. I remember that. I'm a baseball fan, so I remember trying to watch that game and seeing that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, maybe I wasn't watching the game because my Cubs got beat in the National Championship it's Series that year by the San sore Francisco. Sore about game. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but th that's that's an interesting backdrop for a, a pilot, more so than the Hope Diamond, probably. <laughs> the Hope Diamond heist of the pilot we got, yeah. Because that was a bad pilot. I mean... It, it wasn't... <laughs> looking wasn't back, six episodes in, we've done five podcasts. Be honest enough to say, I really feel like that was probably pretty bad for me it's probably the weakest episode for you it's probably the second weakest episode <laughs> <laughs> if i'm i'm just I'm so just i'm just so disappointed with what they decided to do with the west and i'm so bored with that story but yeah. it wasn't a bad episode of television like it was a, if you're it was not a fairly cut and dry run of the mill quantum, if you're not you know. yeah if you're not tired of a bug's life <laughs> there's another one yeah you're yeah, right yeah if you're not tired oh, of God. a bug's life or this storyline then it's perfectly fine television it wasn't bad the pilot was arguably bad yeah yeah that's the only episode i feel that deserves the audience score this show has of like a like 46 like percent yeah right yeah. you know it's like that one wasn't the best Right. And so I, I wonder if it was just they needed something more action centric. It's gotten better each week, in my opinion. I think it's become a show that I absolutely recommend fans and non-fans watch. Like, if you like Quantum Leap back in the day, I'm like, you should probably be watching this because there's probably a lot of stuff you'll be into. Going back to something that you said in either the first or second episode of our podcast, which was to say it's hard to think of quantum leap as sci-fi and it's more of a drama that's really hit with me i've mentioned it twice since you did this show is a time travel show it's a time yeah. travel show and they said that implicitly for this week oh yeah they they I mean, go full tilt into time travel yeah it's time travel it's science fiction and that's not what quantum leap was it's what this show is if this is how you're going to base your show tell me what the rules are and they basically sat down in the classroom and told us the rules they did <laughs> that know, this scene week. that's the that's the scene that i love in time travel stuff and i guess 96 percent of the public hates <laughs> because they don't like being lectured or told how things work i don't know we got that scene from ian where he starts to posit theories about how this has happened i guess first before we get to that i guess i should mention that jen has three theories one, that a foreign government got a hold of Quantum Leap specs and replicated the project. Two, that a private company is behind it. Ian mentions Elon Musk or Zuck. Yeah. <laughs> and, and someone else is using the Quantum Leap facility, but in the future. Right. And that's where we start to get into the timey-wimey stuff. Yeah. As the doctor would say, right? Because... Now you have to think. Wait, would a doctor really say timey wimey? No, the the doctor, not a doctor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I don't watch that so, show. <laughs> so, um, I, I might have to start again after this past weekend. But uh, 
the idea that time travel is not happening on this linear plane. It's a lot like 2022 is the baseline, right? Time travel was invented in 1995. Right. Time travelers can come back from points beyond that now because it's invented, right? They can even come from hell. <laughs> no, as we've seen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love those. I, I want to make sure it's like Satan from South Park and he has to actually call like a computer tech to come out. And it's fix like Lopez. legitimately Satan, though, isn't it? <laughs> uh, all right. I'm Saddam sorry. We're Hussein's off there We're with him. <laughs> but yeah, so this idea that there might be a future leaper yeah. that is coming back. Yeah. And Ian posits at the end, like, what if we did this? Yeah. What if we set the events in motion that result in whoever this is coming back and meeting Ben in 1879? Right. And like, that's where we start to get to that cusp thing where it's like, oh boy, is the audience going to keep up with this? Right. You know, because right. I think it's fairly easy to understand because I have lived at multiple points historically for the last four decades. <laughs> I understand how that works, right? Yeah. Well, but, I think Jen kind of shut all that down with her. I can't be concerned with what's going to happen in the future. Like, we have to proceed right. as we would today, you know? Yeah. And that's, to me, another seed. That's another seed we're planting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably going to bear fruit before that Congresswoman's brother does. But uh, Yes. Yeah. Who knows when that'll come back, if at all. A little ashamed of myself as I didn't even really consider the fact that it could be somebody using the project from the future. And when yeah. they said that, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, it could. Well, yeah, well, that's pretty cool. And it also, I think, is reinforced mm -hmm. by taking us to this guy's house. So they find out that this guy is named Richard Martinez. Yeah. Somehow they can look this guy up in the phone book, but they couldn't find Janice, who also just lived in the suburbs. Right. <laughs> they, okay. go to, they, they go to <laughs> Martinez's house. His mom makes them dinner. Yeah. They open the door, they expect some hostile dude, and he's just like, oh man, when an admiral shows up on my porch, I'm in. Whatever you need me for, I'm in. This right. is my duty. Right. I love this country. He's a real, I love America, I'm here to serve. This is the land of opportunity. He's like a, such a golly gee whiz Boy Scout. Yeah. And right. they leave thinking like, well, how does this guy turn into the guy that Ben met? But it underscores the fact that we don't really know the guy Ben met. Right, exactly. He seems angry, but maybe he's justified. <laughs> maybe what Ben's doing in the past is actually potentially dicking something up. So the way he spoke in episode five, he perceived Ben as a threat to something that he was trying to do. Right. Did he say if you value your life or something? He said, if you value your life, you need to stop following. Right. So he could either be malevolent or perceive Ben as a threat. It kind of leads me to think the, the latter. Can I toss is, a theory out here? Yeah. Well, that's what we do here, isn't it? All right. So <laughs> the A plot, uh, like I said, there are moments in every episode that sort of lead to these revelatory flashbacks with Ben. In episode five, it's just, I remember uh, my mm -hmm. mom's cooking. We get a lot more of Ben's mom in this episode. Yeah, that's um, the pilot coming through. That's, that's the pilot through line, right? Because it even has that moment that Sam Beckett gets at the end of the original pilot where he calls his dad on the phone. Right? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. in, in this episode, right but, before he leaves, Ben tries to call his mother. Yeah, but God doesn't let him have the conversation. Of course, of course. He's like, no, 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 no. But uh, he, let, clock, he let Sam have the conversation with his dad, but he didn't let uh, Ben have the conversation with his mom. I actually so, thought about that. So a line that really sticks with me 
here okay. is that Ben recognized, like, all of this is him kind of understanding and coming to terms with how his mother died. He got very upset with her. She was mad because he was basically blowing his high school classes on purpose. Right. Because he felt like he wasn't in control of his own destiny, essentially. His mom harped that she had brought him to America solely for him to be successful, and he felt like she was limiting his potential in that. He gets angry with her, storms out of the house, she's crying. By the time he comes back, she's died of an aneurysm. So it's absolutely terrible. But Ben, when he's revealing all of this to Addison, who I think it's noteworthy, he had never told about this right. before at all. Right. He reveals this to Addison and says, you know, but that was the moment that set me on the path to where we are now. Yeah. And he kind of came to that realization, too. Yeah. And not in a way that, like, oh, my Swiss cheese brain made me forget that this is why I joined Quantum Leap. But more in a sense of, you know what, now that I'm thinking about it, of course I joined Quantum Leap. You know, right. with this kind of tragic backstory that all superheroes have. So, um, so now, yeah. so here's my question. If given the opportunity to save his mother, does Ben do it? Is that the point that he's trying to get to? I'm thinking like, okay, when the Leaper says, if you value your life, you'll stop following. Mm -hmm. What is Ben's life? What if he's talking about his life as it was in 2022 or as it exists in that moment? What if Ben does something that alters history? Right. And this guy goes back to stop him from doing it. Oh, yeah. Maybe this guy is threatening to go back and stop the inciting incident that brought Ben to Project Quantum Leap. Yeah. Like, Who knows? Maybe there's, Who knows? Yeah, that's maybe there's something there. If that ends up being true, I am going to be... This is one of my favorite episodes of television ever. The, the episode we just saw, if all of those threads are connected in some way, mm -hmm. I will be just blown away by episode six of Quantum. As it is, Probably my favorite episode so far, but I'd be super impressed with that. I lean more towards the theory that they're coming up with in the show, which is to say Ben may be cognizant of the fact that this guy is out there leaping around and maybe Ben leaped because he was aware of this guy's activities. And because the other thing Ian said was that, you know, maybe I had this backwards. Uh, he's actually trying to get to the future. Right. And if yes. their theory now, which seems proven by the fact that they went and talked to Martinez, is that he came from the future. Right. Or he will leap in the future. And who knows how Ben or Janice figured all that out. But the idea now kind of seems to, to be that Ben is trying to get towards the future rather than to the past, which speaks to what we were talking about a little earlier about magic saying, well, you you're not supposed to be able to do that, right? right? Right. And Ian responds with a, well, can't do any of this until somebody does. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's a you great know. moment. So yeah, I, I think I kind of lean towards the theory that they're coming up with, that maybe he's actively trying to combat whatever Martinez is doing. Mm -hmm. How he's aware of something that hasn't happened yet becomes a mystery. But a really interesting mystery. Who doesn't love a good time travel story? I mean, like, I guess there are people out there who don't, but yeah. but I am a complete sucker for it. And the more complicated <laughs> it is, and the more I have to think about the physics of it and how it all works, the more on the hook I am, like every single time. So Right, but 
if it tends to fall apart, do you then not like it? Yes. Oh, really? Okay. My my requirements with time travel stories are that whatever rules they establish, they have to play by those rules. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. There's a movie that came out a few years ago called About Time that had Domhnall Gleeson and Rachel McAdams in it. Did not see it. And it is about a guy who can time travel by stepping into a wardrobe. And he comes out in a different period. <laughs> weird. Yeah, it is a little bit weird. But there's a moment about halfway through that movie. We're sitting there watching it, my wife and I. And she says, wait a minute. And I paused the movie and I said, did you see what just happened there? And she's like, I think so. I was like, the movie just broke its own rules. And, and it disrupted the narrative of the movie for my wife, who's not hyper attuned to this stuff. Conversely, have you ever seen the movie Primer? I don't think so. If time travel movies were a college curriculum, it would be like a 900 level course. <laughs> okay. um, it, it's like the master class of time travel stories. It's basically about two guys who invent time travel in their garage. Okay. It's a wild, wild movie. Anybody who's into time travel, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, Primer, you said. Yeah. Okay. It's really something else. And it sets its rules and it plays by them. And and when I say rules, I don't mean they have to be hyper specific. They can be very basic. Like, I think the if Primer's a 900 level course, then Back to the Future 2 is like the intro to time travel. Right. And right. I'm thinking specifically of the, the scene where Doc Brown illustrates how the alternate 1985 exists. Sure. It's very straightforward. And it's done with a visual aid. So, right. like, that point was a nexus point. We split off from there. Okay. Right. I get it. And the movie plays by those rules. It's not complicated. And it can have a lot of fun within that context. Right. That's all I ask. So, if, if Quantum Leap ends up breaking its narrative in some point and doesn't have an explanation for it. Then they've lost Brian. <laughs> it's going to be hard to get me back. But one of the reasons the original Quantum Leap never bothered me that much, and we've talked about this, is that those rules were something they played pretty fast and loose with. All you needed to understand about Project Quantum Leap was the the string metaphor that Al illustrates in the first episode. Yeah. Tie the ends together, ball the string up, the days of your life, touch out a sequence, boom, boom, boom. Right. Now, this new series obviously is taking a different angle. I think so far we've seen enough to know that they know what they're doing. They seem to have a plan. Yes. I guess as I say that, my understanding is, and I didn't watch this show, but Lost appeared to have a plan. And we later found out that they never had a plan at all. And then they Although, had to try and tie it all together. Yeah, Lost is a little bit of a different beast. It was like, I never like a red herring Sally. Like, uh, like that's what Lost was. Right. But when it came to time travel, which is a part of Lost, that was very consistent. Like, okay. extremely consistent. Well, yeah, I... Uh... Somebody was explaining that show to me, trying to get me to watch it, and mentioned something about a polar bear on a tropical island, and I said no. That's the that's like the <laughs> literally like the second episode. Like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm out, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm done. Well, no, I didn't it even does explain. I never even tried. I didn't turn bear. it on. I didn't didn't get into that show. But I but <laughs> uh, culturally speaking, people tend to point to that as something that was so many threads, so much just thrown on the wall to see what would stick, and then they couldn't tie it back together. Yeah. 
I think they tie the big thing together, but there's so many threads left dangling that are, I, I won't even say they're left dangling. They are hastily tied up. Okay. And you don't want to see that here. I, I think they're dealing with a lot less. I feel like, you know, we've got essentially, what, three storylines happening in 2022 right now. Two of them might be the same. Right. Janice. Janice, Martinez, and the uh, oversight. oversight. Yeah. The immediate questions are, are regarding Janice and Martinez. And I think those will bear fruit soon I enough. think those two have to be connected. So, Sam, with the exception of one extremely notable episode, sees his reflection in every leap within the first couple minutes. Yeah, that was interesting. I don't think Ben saw his reflection in this episode. No. At any point. In fact, the first time we see the person that Ben has leaped into is in a family picture. Oh, I even missed that. I thought it was at the very end with the reflection in the car window. I thought the reflection in the car window was really cool. Yeah, it was. That's such a neat thing. I wish he had seen his reflection earlier. And that was kind of tying it. Now you see him with his son and you have this image of that family, maybe not restored, but they're going to be okay, you know? Right. But as it is, that's the only time we see John Harvey in real time as Ben. And I think it does a little disservice because it's hard to imagine why Naomi would be so hostile and wanting to break up. With Ben Song, who is the only version of this character we know. Yeah. And then the second you see John Harvey in the photograph, you're like, that schlub landed Kaylee Fry from Firefly? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, of course. Girl, get out and do your thing, you know? Uh, Okay. Treat yourself. Yeah. Ben continues to say, well, I can't be here to save their marriage. This guy clearly is deserving of divorce. Right. You know, like, like, this guy's clearly the worst husband ever. And I'm like, why? Like, we don't <laughs> we don't know that. Why do you think that? Are you, you know, like, are you just... There's no evidence to suggest that this guy's some kind of a-hole, is there? Yeah, I mean, maybe if five minutes before Ben leaped in, Naomi was like, we need to talk. Can you meet me at a sport grill? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like... Like, I gotta watch the game. Come on down. Yeah, well, we've never seen a a host before the leap. I would have loved for the waiting room to have been an element in this episode. And someone had just come out like, who ruined our toilet? (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, that's John Harvey. He well, you just let it rip. Yeah, well, you say that, but uh, that is the second time they mentioned the host. Uh, Yep. So, like I was saying, I kind of held it back when we were talking about episode five, but they do it again in episode six. And they talk about the host as a person that I feel like they must be cognizant of, like he has to be somewhere. I'm beginning to believe that the waiting room is going to come up, and you are beginning to to doubt it even further. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, uh, you know, I, but like if somebody leaped into me and they were like, well, uh, you got a couple days. You bet your ass I'm sleeping. Yeah, because there's you know? nothing else in that room. If it's to, of course, yeah, there's no aesthetic from 1995 that is also present in 2022. But the waiting room that was there in 1995 was just a blank white room with a table in the middle. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, it, yeah. was, it was all white. I think the walls were lined with a bench, and then there was a reflective table in the middle so that they could see what they look like. See what they look like, which is really helpful. Great. Let, let them know what you're doing. Tell yeah. them as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, though, aesthetics from 1995, there is a nice little moment in here where Addison punches a handle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I did. I made note of that, too. And so so we've been waiting for her to punch a hand link. She finally does. She gets an older version of the hand link. Is that hand link Al's original hand link? No. You've been watching those first episodes. I no. can't remember. It's okay. not. No, it, it is not. The hand link that we all remember that uh, Janice has in her that, possession. That multicolored is, blocky kind yeah, of. Yeah, they call that the squished up gummy bears. Yes. Right? And then the other one is referred to as the crescent moon if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. It's like a cell phone, basically, but it's got this kind of cut moon shape out the side of it, and that area is clear. So... Yes, okay. Yeah, so that that's... And that was the one I was like, I don't know. I can't quite remember what that looked like, but maybe that's the same device? Right. He has that at least into the first couple episodes of season two now, and he's, he's, he's still got that one. Oh, yeah? Again, I... I if somebody knows something different, tweet at me. But that's my understanding. Going back to my days on the uh, Sci-Fi Channel message boards, that's that's kind of how they referred to them as the gummy bears and then the crescent moon. Okay. Which I, but perhaps there's one in the middle. Visuals aside, he's got the recognizable, audible uh, squeaks and cries of uh, the old hand link when she swats it. Yep, need way more of that. Way more of that. Yeah, yeah. She she swatted it in episode five, too. But yeah, she switches them out episode six, and now she's got an older one that'll talk to us. Maybe with, maybe with some personality. We'll see. Let's hope so. The other moment I, I don't want to miss is uh, the facial recognition software. Great moment in that scene. Oh, God, yeah. I loved it when Ian was talking about, you know, this could take weeks. There are like trillions of files that Ziggy is running through. This could take forever. And then just as that's, you know, left his lips, they get a match. Right. He's like, Ding. how did you do that? Magic. Because yeah, that's... Uh things seem to work out just by his being there like that he's got, was the, his... he's got the same mutant powers as domino <laughs> she's what she's the, the luckiest person or something wasn't what domino was lucky like long shot was pretty lucky you know they had that few luck based characters i think running yeah but the, the x-men there but the thing with magic in his uh introduction in the original series was things seem to go well when you're around yeah that was yep. his thing, and that's why they called him Magic, and things seem to go and, and well just, when he's around. He just happens to be there, and he's like, it was so, oh, yeah. it was so great. I really liked a, that moment. It was, a, it was a terrific, terrific moment. Yeah, yeah. I laughed out loud at that. I, that also, I also liked how it played against kind of what your expectations might be for the show up to this point. Like, yeah, maybe they feed that face in there, and it is next week before we get another morsel with this thread right which would be more like realistic the, sh the but... show is like nope we're not wasting time with that and here's a here's a little character moment i wonder i wonder if it like there's a page in the show bible that just like magic plot convenience are like in <laughs> all caps right next to each other like see, don't it forget yeah exactly that's <laughs> what it is right it's plot convenience 
but not because of the way it's presented. Right, right. Because so this is this perfect. is who that character is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it it makes a, perfect sense. It's not a it's not like a Deus Ex Machina. It's like uh no, this is just perfectly consistent with the world we've created and the character that we've got. Yeah, from. somehow somehow things go right when magic's around. And uh, the way Ernie Hudson delivers that one word, oh yeah, just does it perfectly. <laughs> Magic, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I enjoyed that moment so much. I had to write that down and say, let's let's make sure we talk about that. But um, yeah, uh, the introduction of Martinez with uh, his mom trying to feed them and cook for them is in, like an immediate. This is a good guy comes from a good family yeah. situation. You know, like that's a good way to say he is one of the least sketchy dudes i have ever seen in a tv show ever yeah you know yeah. like if he walked into mayberry for god's sake he would fit right in maybe not mayberry <laughs> <laughs> well i mean no they'd probably run him out of town in yeah. mayberry they'd be like we don't we don't we don't got to your town here. <laughs> that's right maybe by matlock with i don't know <laughs> but yeah there's a the the only component though is there's a very much a yes sir no sir whatever you need uh situation right he's liable to be manipulated in a trusting sense of the military and and the american government right right and, so uh, he's just yeah. ready to do what he's told to do and he has a high respect for officers that outrank him right so if he is involved with janice what if whatever she's cooking up started with that Wow, yeah. Because Al still outranks magic. He doesn't seem cognizant of Al at the time that magic shows up at the door, and Al's already gone. Yeah. I don't think that there's a... There's not a scenario where those two would have interacted, and if they had, he's already passed on. Maybe. It feels more like this guy is ready to serve, he's ready to... I think I think the thing that like when he shows up at the door and says I'm ready for a mission regardless of what it is like regardless of what it is he may not be sketch but he's not very discriminating either what is he prepared to do you don't have any questions about what you're about to do yeah he you might trust be... you trust these people so implicitly this person that has just knocked on your door and because he flashed an admiral badge at you you're ready to go do whatever this man asks you to do. I mean, we've we've got a we've got we've got people running for public office flashing police badges left and right. I mean, like, who knows? <laughs> right down who knows here in my neck of the woods, is. folks. Oh yep. God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's 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 a really good point. Maybe this guy is a psycho. It's a psycho or just naive? A little gung ho. A little too naive to be. Yeah. To mm. you know, but if you're implying that his military service is what led to his leaping in the future, then his mission is maybe not connected to Janus. I mean, how would he... He'd have to fall out of favor with the military in order for him to go with a, a rogue metaphysicist. What, what, what did she do? She was... <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, right rogue now she's just... Yeah, like right now she's just sketch villain woman, you know, like with with multiple evil hideaways. So I yeah, I don't know how the two of them would fall together. They almost certainly have to though. 
seem like two threads it, it that... It seems like it. Yeah. Here's the only other theory I've got. All right, throw me another one. The Congressional Committee takes control of the project, and the Congresswoman from Episode 5 is like, they still haven't saved my brother. I'm going to send you back to do it. Ah. And so okay. he's actually bouncing around through time with the sole purpose of trying to leap into the point where he could save her brother from that car accident. And for a little while, he's just hanging out in that bar. Right. He's in just 1887. Like, I was like, when do I get there? You know? Yeah. But, it does, but wouldn't he also have to do something good in order to leap? I guess so. Yeah. And what's he there to do? It's a low threshold, maybe, for certain people. Maybe he got the town grunt drunk sober. Not by the end of that episode. No, I definitely not. But yeah, I mean, there are there are episodes of the original series where Sam is essentially just getting a cat out of a tree, like literally, literally getting a cat out of a tree and then leaping. So, you know, who knows? That cat became a Nobel Prize winning physicist. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what Jason, the son that he saves in this episode, goes on to save thousands of lives. Becomes and... like a structural engineer and is inspired by his experience in the earthquake to make stronger buildings like right that was that was another thing that i felt like the consequences of that leap are so explicitly stated mm -hmm. it's not like episode five where it's like the whole town came together it's like Ugh. one person one child's life was impacted and look at how, how exactly exactly and, yes and i was like that to me is another case of this would have made a good pilot that part of the mission statement it's been a little fuzzy throughout, I think. It is so explicitly and, and like succinctly stated. It would have made a good pilot, but I'm glad it's the episode that it is instead. Yes. Yeah, I think I think you're right. So the big moment at the end, you know, Ben calls his mom, just hears her voice. I think the theme of this episode is just call your moms. Yeah. You know, that's the message. Stop what you're doing. Call your mom. Call your mom. Yeah. Yeah, I know Jen I wanted to call her mom, so we know Jen has a mom, and they have a relationship. Maybe we'll get to that. Maybe. Before they go watch the Housewives. Housewives are mentioned again. The, the Housewives. They're going to watch the Housewives again. I'm, I'm alarmed by the fact that we have now had Real Housewives mentioned just a fraction less on this show than Janice Calavici. <laughs> I promise not to uh, put a clip in there uh, on this episode. Yeah. I'll leave it alone. I'll leave it alone. I promise. Uh, nobody wants to hear that. Wait for I, I it. Know. Wait I for it. Know. Oh, boy. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> anyway, the other thing I wanted to mention near the end of this episode is that Ian again brings up the gravity assisted navigation through time that yep. I'm like, and it made even less sense this time. I feel like, like the he has idea to behind it is well, just like you're. Let spinning. me cut you off. Let me cut catch you off a second, just because the gravity assisted navigation is speeding him up to get to the future. Like he's not traveling at any particular speed. No, he just goes from place to place. Right, he's just like hopping around. Like what? What are they talking about? Again, again, I think this is a thing that would make sense if he was like spiraling out and you could register it by the dates he was ending up. Like, let's say the first leap is like 1985 and then the second leap is like 76 
And then like the next leap is 10 years later and then 10 years out and 10 years out, or it was somehow curving back around to like 85 and then it's 2030 and then it's, you know, 72 and then it's 2040. And then like, and you're just kind of like oscillating back and forth. We we mentioned this before, Technobabble with Star Trek. They can talk about matter-antimatter conversion and Heisenberg compensators and all these right. things that are just like, yeah, these don't exist, but you get the idea, you know? Right. Like, whereas this is like a thing that exists, but seems completely unrelated to time travel as I would understand it. Somebody get Neil deGrasse Tyson on the phone. Cause... Oh God, don't do that. He he ruins the fun and everything. <laughs> Did you see how he 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 spent like a month on Twitter just blasting uh, Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, he's officially done. <laughs> uh, well, okay, I don't know that if that does make sense, and I'm just missing it. I wish somebody would explain it a little better to me. Because it doesn't seem to make any sense, and I'd rather you just give me some gobbledygook that I'll never understand. But yeah, um, but like like I said, I this is a time travel show and not a not a drama series. Not a not, not. well. See, I was about to say that, but but it is it is, but it's, it definitely is. It's this is us if Sterling K. Brown was from the future. <laughs> Okay. She might have been. I don't know. I didn't really watch that show. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. <laughs> I didn't uh, haven't seen that myself. The 2022 storyline is one I'm a little more invested in. But ah, god, I was about to say that, but they they've kind of got me on both ends. Yeah, I mean with the right subject and the right the, the right sort of story in the leap. I, like I felt like this is the sort of small smaller scale, tighter knit kind of leap story where it's just about these three people right then we've gotten in other episodes like the jewel heist episode or the 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 old west episode you know it's it's a little bit more sprawling in those cases sure so it just it just felt more quantum leaping yeah i think the fact that they tied it so nicely to uh ben's experiences that and ben's experience was really emotional like yeah it was it was intense. Like, it's actually awful, you know? So, uh... Yeah, yeah. And Ben's a great character. I really have yep. grown to like him. Yep. Addison and her explanation that the fact that he's open and vulnerable in this Swiss cheesed brain state is making her fall in love with him even further. Yeah, that was really kind of sweet. And, and, and yeah. it, it makes sense because he's trying to latch on to as much as he can, right? Like, like, when he's telling her about his memories, it's as much for him as it is her. So it's kind of this just, it's like she's discovering him, discovering himself for the exactly. first time. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It does sort of lend itself to a deeper love. I mean, like, Nate, you're a father, I'm a father, and there's something just magical about having a person in your life who is discovering things for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And when you already have an emotional connection with that person that's so deep as Addison Benz, and it's romantic, and you're kind of going through that experience, what must that be like, right? Like, like it makes sense that it would kind of be painted in this way, where she's like, I, I can't even really explain it. It's like I'm falling deeper in love with her. These are the moments that, I, that I'm glad the show has gotten to, and that I needed, and, uh, and I feel, yeah, like, I feel great about what, what what's the percentage on it. 80% of the characters on the show. <laughs> so, 
you haven't really reflected my my disdain for this character. You just sort of seem to dodge it. Are you on I, board with Jen or are you where, where are you with this character? I don't because, I, I don't I have not formed an opinion about it. Okay, like, well like, mine is set. <laughs> like my like I like I like I said early on, like it's yeah, in the pilot it's like they needed a security guard. They realized they needed a security guard. We gotta write this character. Now we're right. like, oh we're on the hook with this character. But th- th- there's maybe there's a moment somewhere down the road. But right now it's just uh it's not it's not yeah, clicking. And when you talk about the end of this episode as they tie everything together and Addison is having this conversation and opening up to someone, imagine it as Ian. And it already works better. Right. Right. You know? Like, who is Jen? She's like super serious and cynical, but then this episode she's kind of jokey and wants to like use little cowboy figurines to like <laughs> right. explain to us the imaging chamber. She throws out a name of somebody else on the project. Right. That but we, we don't know who met? that guy is. Yeah. He Which just is... collects dolls. Like, <laughs> uh, like I automatically want to know more about this guy. Yeah. Or, or not, you know, <laughs> kind of, kind of felt like a gushy or a beaks situation. It's just somebody that's there and we may get mention of them every once in a while. I hope that Steven Root plays him whenever he finally shows up. <laughs> you know, just yeah, this right. weird dude down in a basement. Yeah, down by the by the boiler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just wall-to-wall dolls. Yeah. Nobody really. wants to talk to this guy. Yeah. That kind of taps me for this episode. I mean, it was yeah. great. It was probably my favorite. And Yeah, undoubtedly. It's it's my favorite until the next one, which is going to be like an honest to god oh, Halloween yeah. episode. Yeah. Uh, that was fun too. I'm glad you brought. Yeah, it, it, it's gonna. Har- it feels like it's gonna harken back to one of those silly episodes. Yes. Let's take a week off of this serious stuff and do something silly, and I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm I'm already all in. Yeah. The the the, the address on the house changes. You see, it's like six six nine, and I was like, do it, yeah. do it. That's right, and they did, and and, and sure enough, six six six. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm in. Next week's, you've already got me. Yeah, some kind of uh, exorcism. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you're getting a new thing, and I'm beginning to open up to it. <laughs> there you go. It's the best any new show can hope for. And let's be honest, like most shows take five or six episodes to really find their legs. This feels like the perfect point in the season for an episode like this. So, okay. All right, we done? I think we're done, yeah. I don't, let's call yeah. it. Okay, when leaping through cyberspace, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Captain Burn at C-A-P-T-N-B-E-R-N. And uh, Nate? I am at Action Nate, A-C-T-I-O-N-N-A-T-E. So so much easier than mine. Uh, and check out the Paprika feed for movie reviews, pop culture drafts, countless hours of entertainment. Until next leap, I'm Brian. And I'm Nate. And we'll be here in the waiting room.